Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. My unpopular opinion seems to have become popular. The Houston Texans should draft Will Anderson. Let's do it like we used to do it back in the day. One more time. Man, if I did it like we used to do it, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be doing much for a few days Uh, after that. As reckless and abusive as it was to my body, I wouldn't change, man. There's a price to pay, man. I've had two ACLs, broke ankles, broke nose, concussions. I've given my body to a sport I love. I would do it all over again. You go through something to get something, to achieve something. We're not the NBA. We're not doing it. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You both. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to be back. I'm back. And I know I've taken breaks and hiatuses before, but this has been the most extended since we really started to produce podcasts on a regular basis. Man, there's a lot going on, and we have a lot to get into, and of course, we have a great episode coming up for you. We are going to talk to Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit. We are going to have some headlines, and of course, we'll hear from our resident DJ, and we'll have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. So before we get into all that, this is what has been going on for me. So it's been quite a while. Since I've come to you, the last episode that I had done, I had Coach Byron Smith, the head basketball coach of the Preview A&M Panthers, had that episode done. Then I had the dun-dun-dun, the computer crash, and I lost all that. I mean, I, I was moments away from posting it, and something happened, and it was done. So when that happened... First of all, it's really demoralizing to put hours and hours into an episode only to have it just go away at the very, very end. Had it happened at the beginning, but I lost the interview. I lost all of that stuff. So it was a crash. These things happen. And over the years, you understand that this is kind of, it goes with the territory, technical problems. And uh, yeah, it's just what it is. And so that happened. And then we did do the Jim Brown interview. I replayed the Jim Brown interview after his passing, and then there was a big break. There were a lot of things I wanted to do, but so many other things were going on. But let me start with this. I am a new parent of a new puppy, dog, fur baby. (laughs) I hate the term fur baby, but got a new dog to go with with a dog that I'd had, but I got a little puppy, Charlie. Charlie is a handful, and that's been fun. That's not been a true distraction, but, you know, just that was something that has gone on since I have been away. In addition to that, I am just about set to launch a brand-new podcast. Many of you guys know I have a very popular old-school R&B show on KTSU 90.9 Houston called the friday express the tfe family hashtag the love is real well i'm of course i'm big in the music as big in the music as i am well i'm big in the sports but man what it's what for what in a lot of ways uh, when i when it comes to older music so do the show 
and I have done and put together what I think is a very unique idea. And I won't say it here, but I'm going to have a big rollout for that deal. Now, that won't replace sports talk. We're going to continue to do sports talk. There are a lot of things that we're going to get into. Football season is just about to start. So a lot of stuff is going on, and we're going to get into all of those things. But this is something that is really a labor of love. It's something special. I think you guys, I mean, maybe some of you guys, if you like music at all uh, and like listening to people sort of tell you about themselves, I think you'll really, really like it. So that is going on. But, yeah, just a lot of it's computer stuff. It's busy stuff, pro- working on different projects. It's Charlie. So now I have two. I had two. Lost my boy Shucks last year. And so, yeah, got Charlie. And then other things have been going on. A lot of times I wanted to chime in, couldn't quite chime in. But, yeah, it's, it's been stored up inside of me. So I took to Twitter a lot. And, of course, I had KTSU Sports Talk. So it's not that I wasn't talking sports. I just wasn't coming to you guys. And, by the way, let me thank you so much for all of your help and all of your support. Because one of the other things I've been working on, and it's up, the website is back up. Now, it's not ready, but it's up. If you want to look, it's not ready, but it's up. Wadeswordproductions.com. Wadeswordproductions.com. Of course, we stay out of the sports line. 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. So, so many things that I want to get into. So, let's get started with some Headlines. In headlines, there are so many things to talk about. I may not get to, I mean, I won't get to everything. But the thing that I want to talk about first are the Houston Astros. I have thoroughly enjoyed this season, although it's not, it's been tumultuous. It's been up and down and primarily because of injuries. So as it stands, the Astros are now a game back of the Rangers after winning the first two of a three-game series here in Houston. And I will tell you what. The job that Dusty Baker is doing, and I don't know if the rest of baseball will recognize this, especially when you have teams like the Orioles sort of upstarts that are are winning for the first time in a long time. When you have teams like that, it's hard to get manager of the year. But if the Astros win this division, Dusty Baker should get manager of the year. And one of the things that almost had me come on for a brief cast is – One of the local guys here, and I don't really listen to a lot of the local guys here. I don't really, you know, I don't ingest that because, well, for various reasons, but I don't. But nonetheless, came across a conversation where the Astros had lost, and at that point they were like three games back, maybe four games back as a result of the loss. And they were talking about, is it time to start questioning Dusty Baker? And I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? You are talking about a team that at that point was three or four games back. Now they're one game back. Still a lot of baseball left to play. But you're talking about a team that has lost on just on the pitching stuff. You had three rookies starting in your rotation. Three to five in your rotation of rookies. Gone is Justin Verlander. And, and obviously, yeah, that's free agency. He, he's gone, so you can't even count him. No Lance McCullers. He's done for the season. Luis Garcia done for the season. Jose Urquidy has been on the IL for an extended period of time. He's missed a ton of games. Now, if you want to talk about on the other side, Al Tuve's only played like 32 games. Jordan Alvarez only played like 40, 50 games out of 102. So, you know, you, you look at the other guys that have been injured throughout. I mean, no Michael Brantley. 
and still this team with guys that are getting some of the first regular major league work in their careers are getting it done. Jokes and Dubon. I mean, just look at what McCormick is doing. So this team is doing a tremendous job just hanging in there, hoping that, you know, and you know you'll get Urquidy back. You know you'll get Jordan back. You need Altuve to get healthy. And, and But, again, Dubon has been doing such a tremendous job. You're not missing a whole lot. Obviously, you want Altuve back for the postseason. But I just think for this team to do what they've been doing with guys out all year long, all the guys, a lot of the guys that you count on to win the World Series, haven't been there for injury reasons. So kudos to the Houston Astros. We'll keep following them. But I'm telling you, if they win the division, and I don't know if national media will pick up on this, Dusty Baker needs to be manager of the year because this is a tremendous job. I want to say, what is it, 2019 was the year? 2020 was the year. I think that he had a tremendous – that's when he got Framber and – Christian Javier and Garcia, all those guys were stepping up for the first time and got those guys to the playoffs. So, like I said, it's uh, it's been a great run so far. A lot of baseball left to play, but I really wanted to chime in on that because I think to question Dusty, and you, you can question in-game decisions, and I think at the time they were questioning having Montero in the game. And here's the thing about Montero. He's your highest-paid reliever. So you're going to go to that guy. If he's not where he needs to be, and Christian Javier is not where he needs to be in the starting rotation, if they're not there, you can't fault him for going to the guy that your organization has decided is so important to the team that he's the highest paid reliever. So he wasn't getting it done. And you can, you know, if you want to question one game or whatever, you can do that. But what you can't question is the fact that he's created a culture and he sustained this team in light of some uh, a lot of physical adversities because you just don't have the guys that made this team a World Series winning team. So that's going on. In addition to that, money, money, money has been a big, big story. Herbert, Justin Herbert just signed his big deal, getting $52 million a year. How about that? So I think that three quarterbacks now making over $50 million a year. Unbelievable numbers. But if you think that is a big number, look at Jalen Brown signing the Supermax yesterday for $386 million. So it's just crazy, crazy numbers, but they pale in comparison to what the Saudis are doing. Because we've been talking a little bit about uh, live golf and all of that. I've, I've gone into all of that stuff on KTSU Sports Talk. Saudis are just throwing around some crazy, crazy money. Mbappe. Mbappe, who is, to me, right now, they'll say Messi, but to me, Mbappe is the best player in the world. And I will say this, the Saudis <laughs> agree. <laughs> they are offering him, reportedly, $776 million for one year to come play. And they will, they're going to pay his current team the transfer fee of $330 million. So you're talking about a billion-dollar deal for this guy to go play in Saudi Arabia for one year. And you can say what you want about sports washing and having a code. And I agree. I agree with that. And I think that it will be a big mistake to allow Saudi money to dictate things inside of the NFL. Now, I'm not saying 
ownership, whatever. I, I don't know. You you really have to have a deeper discussion about whether or not you want foreign ownership like that in the NFL or MLB. But I would say this, $776 million. You can say what you want about them and their human rights. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people live in glass houses. Yeah, but And that's not to defend them in any way. But let's say this. For that $776 million you can get for one year, you can do a lot of good from, quote, unquote, dirty money. Now, again, you can get into deeper discussions, and I'm not chiming in one way or the other because I don't, I don't think a lot of people have room to throw a whole lot of rocks, although there's some big, big, big red flags with the behavior. I mean, you got to be careful. I mean, you take that money, understand that, that things come with that. Now, for Mbappe, you're talking about one year. I mean, hey, you can change a lot of lives with $776 million. And you'll still be young enough to go get another two or three or four hundred million dollars more in your career. But we're getting close to a, the first billion dollar player. And I was talking to somebody about this. And, and it's Shohei Otani. Could he be that guy? So that's something we've been talking about a lot as well. Shohei, do you trade him if you are the Los Angeles Angels? And then what do you sign him for? Because if you pay him, like a top-notch pitcher, which I think Scherzer and Verlander are making $43 million a season, which, again, Shohei is a definite top-of-the-rotation guy on your starting rotation. Maybe the ace on some teams, maybe the second guy on other teams. But he's also the best batter in baseball right now. And if you pay him according to that, you're looking at Mike Trout numbers, um, Mookie Betts is up there couple other guys that are up there. Now you're looking at, what, 36. So if you pay him for both, you're looking at 76, 77, 78, almost $80 million a year. If you compensate him, say because if he was a top-line pitcher hitting the free agent and he, he wasn't a batter, you would pay him. He could get $43, 45000000 million just for being the pitcher. And if you paid him for being the batter that he is, he would certainly get close to $40 million a year. So do, do his people ask for that $80 million? $80 million over 12 years, he's knocking on a billion dollars. So do you, I mean, what do you do? If I'm the Angels and I want to keep him, I might put that 12-year deal out there for him. I might do that. Because it's not only that, you are the, the, uh, a global team with Shohei on the team. Because you have all of Japan, you just have a larger, larger fan base rooting for that team because of him. You look at what the Rockets were for a long time because of Yao Ming. Yao Ming was the number one team in China. Was I mean, the Rockets were the number one team in China because of Yao Ming. So, I mean, when you look at that situation and what that meant for the organization, I mean, of course, that ended abruptly with the comments made by then general manager Daryl Morey. But for the longest... The relationship between the Rockets and China and their gear selling abroad, it was no team close to the Rockets. Now, I don't know that Shohei will have the impact that Yaming had. Obviously, I mean, you're talking about a billion-plus people in China, not that many in Japan. But still, you're talking about a huge impact because he's not only 
popular in the city, which baseball can be very regional, it's hard to have national stars. There are only a few. I would say Aaron Judge, maybe Bryce Harper, maybe Mike Trout. Out of, Trout doesn't have personality, so he doesn't carry over. But he, So not only is he a national star, he's an international star. And what does that mean for the Angels? And then does that mean he'll sign anyway? So if you're the Angels, you have to ask yourself, first of all, you have to make the playoffs. And I think they're three and a half games out of the last wild card spot right now. So still an opportunity if they, again, can get Trout back healthy, Rendon, they can get healthy, maybe they can get to the playoffs, maybe that'll change. If you don't make the playoffs and you're the Angels, Otani's going to walk and you're not going to get anything for him. And then if you're a team, what do you give up for him? What do you give up for Otani? Because you're going to be renting unless you're the Yankees or the Dodgers. You're going to be renting him just for this stretch to try to get you to a World Series. How much do you pay for that? We Now, Kevin Allen and I uh, on Sports Talk, uh, we debated this on KTSU Sports Talk. And he's like, hey, you got to give up a lot. And I'm like, you better check yourself because if you give up too much and you don't make it and you lose him at the end of the year, you'll have egg on your face. So the trade deadline, I think, is August 1st. They have a decision to make. I think they're going to keep him, but I would think hard about trading him. But maybe they can go to him and say, look, we were committed. We could have traded you, but we want you that bad that we wanted to take the chance to show you we are the organization for you. We'll have to see. And do we get to that billion dollars? I don't know. What would you charge? I mean, you're a DH. You can play in the outfield, and you can pitch. And we had this whole debate, is he the greatest baseball player ever? I mean, obviously, Babe Ruth is still right there. But in modern baseball, we've never seen anything like what this guy's doing. Now, a great point was made that guys hadn't had the opportunity to do that. Because before, if you were a pitcher, you weren't getting a shot. You were not getting the opportunity to bat frequently. If you were in the National League, you got a chance to bat. But you weren't batting in your off days. You, that was, you, and, and if you were in the American League, you certainly weren't DHing. So the game has changed quite a bit to give him the opportunity. And had he not played and had success in Japan, he wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to do it here. So we'll follow that story as well. But the money is getting crazy. Not so much for the media. See the cuts at ESPN and the changing landscape of uh, sports and sports talk and sports shows. It's crazy out here, but uh, I just want my little piece of the pie. I mean, I just want a small sliver. Well, I'm getting the, well, I'm getting crumbs now, but I want a small sliver. So um, before I take a timeout, I do want to talk about uh, Bronny James, LeBron James' son, and him suffering a cardiac arrest a couple of days ago. We don't know the severity of it other than he's out of ICU, still in the hospital. He was working out at USC. Not a lot is known. What I don't like is the speculation. And, of course, you have the conspiracy theorists come out of woodwork talking about, you know, COVID and the vaccine. It's just it's so demoralizing to see how low people go. Saw this in the entertainment side of things with Jamie Foxx. Saying that Jamie Foxx was cloned. That's not really him. 
Even when the man comes on camera and tells you, talks to you, people still don't believe it. I mean, and we, we are really in a bad place if we can't figure some things out. But leave his family alone. I hope people leave him alone. I don't know what the future holds. It kind of doesn't matter from a basketball standpoint. Obviously, there are basketball ramifications and blah, blah, blah down the road. But that's not even a thought because, honestly, you just want the young man to be okay. And now I'm sure his parents are not worried about anything but him being healthy. So prayers to LeBron James' family, to Bronny James, want this uh, young man to get healthy. I know firsthand how you can lose somebody unexpectedly to maybe uh, – well, I mean, in my case, when I, we grew up, uh, one of my childhood heroes was my neighbor Tim Ware. And he had an undiagnosed – heart situation and tragically passed away after basketball practice in the 10th grade. And it was a, it was a dark, dark, dark time that is uh, just so, so tragic. It was an unbelievable time for the entire community in South Park, but it was a bad, bad loss. I was there to see a lot of that as it transpired and you don't wish that on anybody. So I hope, that Bronny James is healthy, and down the road, questions will be asked and answered, and whatever the family feels comfortable sharing, they'll share. And if not, it's none of our business. So let's hope that the young man gets healthy and leads a happy, productive life, whether it's as a basketball player or not. Because at the end of the day, man, you just want him to live and be healthy and happy. So there's that. Let's take a brief time out. Come back on the other side with a whole lot more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages six weeks to five years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. So through the years, you know, you've heard me talk about my imaginary kids. They have ranged in age and gender and all of that good stuff. And I talk to less frequently about uh, my dogs. I'm I'm a dog person, and I I got Charlie, and I mentioned him, and he has been a handful, and he was given to me for free. He's a Shizu, a little fella, maybe five pounds, and he's all teeth and all bark, and he just he does not behave for me. Now for others, he seems to do a lot better but yeah he's uh he, he woke me up the other night two in the morning wanting to play yeah yeah that's that's what i'm dealing with 
So if I don't crank out podcasts like I used to, <laughs> blame Charlie for all of the problems. But no, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I talk about. That my imaginary children. So when I need to, I'll talk about them so you guys can see what kind of parenting style I believe in. So that being said, a lot of a lot of other things that I missed commenting on the Titanic sub, and boy, that was something. And I want to do more of a cultural commentary kind of podcast sometimes, but I would offend some people, I would imagine. And, you know, you there's so much already out there. I pick my spots because on any given day, I want to go to war on Twitter or X, which is that's a whole nother story. They've ruined X. So, by the way, my handles have changed on Twitter and on Instagram and on threads. Now I'm on threads. It's the Devin Wade or T H the Devin Wade. T H E D E V A N W A D E. So before it was at Wade's word, it's at the Devin Wade. So you can check me out there. And that is the way to get to me. At the Devin Wade. So there there's that. So Twitter's ruined in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons. I still tweet and try to get information, but it's so not what it was. And because that was my favorite social media platform. I have posted a lot more, especially on the music side. And I've done some things for the final four. I posted more on Instagram and I'm trying to get into threads. Threads needs more features. And so they're working on that. But yeah, the, the, the Titanic sub and you guys went crazy about that. And I will say this about that. I think that was the thing about that. More than the culture war and us resenting the rich, the obscenely rich for paying, you know, tons of money to do something so trivial. I think there was an element of that. But I also think for most people, your initial reaction was because you envisioned yourself in that submarine. And it's something to be said about an interesting way to die. What a fascinating way to die. Now think of all the ways you can die. And there's some fascinating ways to die. To die going to the scene of death and destruction with the sinking of the Titanic because you spent $250,000 to do so in some untested, (laughs) untested underwater vehicle That is a fascinating way to die. So think about this. For all eternity, you cannot talk about the death of those people without talking about how they died. What an interesting, fascinating way to die. And I think that, for a lot of people, of course, some of the other culture war stuff comes into play. And for whatever reason, people's obsession with the Titanic, which is bananas, that can come into play. But I think at its root, we're thinking about what an interesting, it was a captivating way to die. Because of course, you cannot tell me you didn't think about this story and envision what you would feel like in an enclosed submarine without windows, with one window. But where you can't even sit up. You you have to, you know, you're in this closed space. It's crazy. I, first of all, I'm claustrophobic. I would never, I wouldn't get on a, a big submarine, let alone that. I would never, ever never do that but i just think for a lot of folks <laughs> that's what it was and then you have the the, the carly russell stuff as cube talking to tucker carlson so many things that i would like to comment on but i, I will say this none of this 
It's going to matter because we have f***ed up the earth. The earth is done. I mean, look at these temperatures. Now, I am from Houston, and we're used to the heat. But the whole world going through this, temperatures, sea temperatures in Florida, over 100 degrees, we ain't got long, y'all. <laughs> we have f***ed up the earth. Can you believe it? Man, and we ain't in a hurry to fix it either. So, I don't know. We'll have to see if we can come up with some solutions. But it ain't looking good, y'all. And guess what? It's not going to be room for all of us on Mars. So, it ain't letting all of us on the space station. So, I mean, and we could talk about the, the, the border and Florida. I won't get into any of those things because then I really will get on a, a, on a soapbox and go on a tirade. But let's talk a little bit about some other things in sports. The SWAC Media Day was yesterday. Texas Southern picked third in the Western Division, division in the West, if I can say it. <laughs> third in the West. DJ Morton, the wide receiver, is the only one first team. So, you know, you want those accolades in the preseason. But I'm kind of like Coach Clarence McKinney. I really don't care. I really don't care what they say because at the end of the day, I see these guys week in and week out. This team's going to win the Swags Western Division. I'm telling you. Now, in the East, I'm rooting for my guy, our guy, formerly of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, a member of the special teams unit. I'm rooting for Eddie Robinson in Alabama State. Um, right now, it looks like everybody's favoring a fam you. Florida A&M, and then in the East, they are picking Jackson. Jackson lost a lot of talent, but they maintained and retained a lot of talent, according to those who uh, claim to be in the know. We'll have to see. We go to Jackson. We play FAMU this year. No, we don't play Alabama State this year. So going to be a fun, fun season. Training camp started today for the Texans. I'll be going out. Want to get with uh, Titus Howard. So we may hear from him on the podcast. I know. We'll try to get him on KTSU Sports Talk. So, a lot going on there. Um, interesting developments. Another interesting thing, and um, I talked to Reggie about this. Titans with the throwback Oilers uniforms. Ooh, that hurt. Because ah, it looks so damn good. It hurts. But they are going to rock the old Oilers uniforms. The Titans are. And uh, apparently they're going to wear them when they come to Houston. That is tough. Oh, obviously when they, I think that when they play Houston, I don't know if it's here or there, but yeah, it's a, it's a thing. And it's really, really, uh, it's hard to see those, uh, that Columbia blue being worn by, by folks in Tennessee that didn't, you didn't earn that Columbia blue. You had to earn that Columbia blue with losses to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC championship games. You had to earn that loss in Buffalo. When the Oilers blew the 32-point lead, you had to earn that Columbia blue with the loss to Kansas City after winning 11 straight, having nine Pro Bowlers. That's how you earned. You had to earn it. You had to deal with Bud Adams for the majority of his life. Not at the end like you guys did in Tennessee. But you had to deal with Bud. And, I, and I, over time, I've softened on him as an owner. I think he was better than we gave him credit for. But still, his decision to leave Houston was just him ego tripping. So that was that was ridiculous. So we'll have to see. Other stuff like that is coming up. NFL stuff, DeAndre Hopkins in Tennessee. So we'll get a lot into some NFL stuff. So you don't have to worry about that. That content will be covered. We'll also have some fantasy stuff that we can get into as well. I know you guys are going to want to be a part of that. So that is all coming up. So don't fear. Going to take a last time out, come back with... 
Reggie Brown, former NFL wide receiver from the special teams unit. He was a former oiler. He earned his Columbia blue. We talked to him about a number of things. And, of course, we have the Lamont Award. But first, this and a mix from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ, DJ, Anarchy on the mix, of course. Uh, that's a little guapala he has mixed in there. And I used to rock that on a show I used to host called The Jazz Oasis. It was acid, contemporary, and an eclectic collection of jazz in all its colors. Yeah, so I play a lot of uh, what we would call neo-soul. Guapala got played. People love that show. I missed that show. It was a great show. But so is DJ Anarchy. He's doing his thing. And if you have music you want heard on the podcast, just email us. Music at wagewordproductions.com. Music at wagewordproductions.com. I don't mean if you're a fan of music. I'm saying if you produce music, if you're a singer or a DJ who mixes or a, a, a guitarist or an accordionist or whatever you do, if you produce music and you want that music heard, hit us up at music at wagewordproductions.com. Email us music at wagewordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and the entire portion uh, or an extended portion of a mix on the entire track at the end of the program. So with that, let's get into our discussion with our guy from the special teams unit. You know him, Alabama State, SWAC, standout, and, of course, NFL wide receiver, our guy, Reggie Brown. Back again from the special teams unit, our guy Reggie Brown. How are you? 
Hey, man, I am great, man. Glad to be back on the special teams. How you been, bro? Good, man. I took a, a brief break working on other projects and sort of just letting the summer be the summer. And I'm glad to be back. And, and so there's so much on my plate that I want to talk about. And I wanted to get your thoughts on a number of things. First of all, it's been a while since we've had a discussion what are some of the things over the last few months that have really sort of impacted you or just resonated for you? Well, you know, we got through the NBA championship and got a chance to see Jokic do his thing and um, Denver win their first win, start a baseball. You know, my Yankees, we limp into the finish line. We hurt, no pitching, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been tough. And then uh, now... You know, it's getting close to that time. You know, the grass has been cut, and you can smell football in the air. No doubt about that. But let me ask you about your Yankees. Because a lot of the things that we've been talking about on KTSU Sports Talk, and I've been purposefully talking about Shohei Otani, do Yankees make a move for him? Can they come up with a package? And do you think the Angels will trade him? I mean, we're not long for the trade deadline. What do you do if you're the Angels, and what can you put together if you're the Yankees? Well, number one, if that was Papa Steinbrenner, that would be a done deal. He would pay whatever it took to get him. That being said, Hal is a little bit different, and I imagine with Hal, there's a number that he has in his mind, you know, the, the brands have in their mind. I know that they're going to go make a play at him because he's such a Yankees player. It's such the Yankees to try to go out and get a guy like him. You know, the Angels, baseball is one of the few sports that will trade once-in-a-lifetime players. And you think about all the players in the uh, Major League Baseball that's been traded, Bonds and Griffey, Rodriguez, and all of those guys, they will let a all-time Hall of Famer go, um, which is crazy to me. I think that the Angels need to keep that guy. I mean, he's such a once-in-a-lifetime talent you know, he's a better-than-average pitcher, you know, all-time great hitter. How do you let that go? Well, here's the deal. I, I think if they had their choice, he definitely would stay an angel for life. The problem is Shoei is going to test free agency, and do you take a chance on wooing him back, especially for a team that hadn't been to the playoffs? I mean, obviously, if they get to the playoffs this year, it will be a huge deal for the Angels, but they just can't stay healthy. So I think they want to keep him, and I don't think – I really don't think money is the object. I think ultimately it comes down to where he wants to go because whatever the number is, it's going to be something we have never seen in baseball or anything other than soccer, and that came this week uh, with Mbappe's offer. Uh, but you right. know, but it, it'll be a number we've never seen before – so I, don't, I just think it comes down to what he wants to do. The question is, if your odds are on keeping him are not 75%, 80%, do you trade him and try to get value since you know you're going to lose him anyway? That goes back to mismanagement, right? Because there's no way you even get to this point with a guy like that, right? And it happens in sports. I mean, with the Dolphins, for instance, with Christian Wilkins. How do you get to this point with a guy like that to now you got to make these decisions? You see that San Diego just paid Herbert before you get to a point where you got to make those tough decisions. And he is a guy 
that to me they should have been trying to lock him up for years because now, as you said, he has everything in his hand. You know, now you got to make these tough decisions, and I, I doubt if they're able to keep him at this point. Well, I'm sure that they made more than one or two offers coming into this season. And, you know, if you're the player, if you're Otani, you're saying, man, I don't care what you think you're going to pay me, I'm testing free agency. I mean, you as a, if you think about it as a player, he has every incentive in the world to hit the market and just watch how crazy these numbers get. So, Well, so I, I agree with you, except to this point, the numbers – from one year to the next, they always go up, right? Particularly in baseball. Like, the, the highest-paid player in baseball changes, like, you know, three or four times a year because of the way that the salaries are structured. And I, and I guess my point is, you offer him $10 million more where last year it looked at like, oh, my God. Well, now the number that they're talking about is like, whatever. Because the next number is going to be, oh, my God. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, I know what you know, you're saying. Yeah. 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 And so and I think those – his folks are savvy, and they understood that. And also yeah. I think that from yeah. – taken from the LeBron page where you can make your team make moves with the threat yeah. that you're going to leave. And that's sort of – you know, you saw that in a couple of places with players where we're going to make the team accountable – LeBron is the the most glaring example of that where, you know, you kind of – I'm not going to sign this long-term deal. I've made enough money. I'm going to sign this two-year deal and make sure you guys are on your toes to try to keep me because if you lock me down, then you can do what you want to do with me. I just think it's complicated. I think Moreno, the owner, it doesn't seem like he wants to do it, but you almost have to because you you can get a lot in return for him. So – there's yeah, that. yeah, you can't, you cannot under any circumstances let him walk away. Yeah, and the number's going to be big. Free. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, you know, obviously you got the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Yankees in the mix. I don't, from a trade standpoint, I sort of pose the question, could the Astros put together a package? Now, the problem is if they can get healthy, they have a lot of quality ball players in the majors that have gotten major league experience this year that they could trade for him to make a run at another World Series. I mean, the Astros are going to have to make a deal for a starting pitcher and maybe a, a left-hand reliever. What do you see when you look at the Astros? Well, one, as you said, the Astros got three or four or five players on their roster that, you know, you can easily throw them in a trade. Plus, their farm, the Astros' farm system is amazing. So it has been, know. but we just look, we just looked this up because I didn't know. And, I mean, I don't study the miners that deep, but uh, I know that after the couple of these trades over the last few years, that their ranking is like 27th. So they've gone down quite a bit. Well, from- so I guess it because I saw I was just looking at that a couple of weeks. I saw somewhere, you know, these publications are all different. I saw them around 16. OK. Um, okay. Is what I saw, but you know, you know how it goes. One ranking has them here, another one ranks them there. They they were in the top five, as you correctly say, four years ago. You yeah. Know, See, the, the problem galore. is, yeah, with all these injuries, these guys are moving up. Like, of course, Pena was in the system. He's up in the majors now. You got guys like Jokes and and McCormick and other guys, Dubon and other guys who would have been, you know, maybe minor leaguers. Now they're put through, because of injury, they're forced to up to the major league level. So. What do you think about the Astros? 
You know that they're battle tested. You know they're gonna grind. You know Dusty Baker um, is gonna put together a run. And you know with the Astros, they get in the postseason and get healthy, and then all of a sudden, you know they become the front runners. You know if they're healthy and ready to go. Well, they're only a couple games back, and as we stand, as we speak, the Astros are up on the Rangers in a big series. I know there's a lot of baseball left. This is the last series for these two this regular season, so that's a big deal. Let's shift gears and talk some NFL a little bit. The big brouhaha has been the running backs. So we see today that Saquon Barkley does sign his one-year deal with incentives can make up to $11 million. We've seen uh, Jacobs in uh, Las Vegas leave Las Vegas, and I don't know when or if he'll report. What do you say about the running back position in the NFL? Obviously, you are NFL wide receiver, but you've seen the evolution or de-evolution of the importance of running backs in this league. What do you think about it? Well, it's mad, it's sad, and it's business. You know what I mean? I, I maddening to the point where I can't believe this is happening to the running back position. Sad because these guys put their body on the line. You know, they take the bulk of the punishment for 60 minutes and then it's business, you know, and the position has been devalued and been devalued because of one which is, you know, not lost on me. And, you know, to, to some players don't see it this way, but part of it is, you know, trying to keep them healthy. Like you just can't run one full-time three-down back out there. They're just proving they ain't going to last. So, you know, teams are going with the two and three rotation. And you look at it, who was the last running back to win a Super Bowl that, you know, was a bell kind guy? Yeah, you would have to go back a little ways, but you can't. I mean, you think about the importance of a guy like McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Derrick Henry. Again, I think the way they play, they're they're the throwback team. Them in Cleveland to an extent with uh, Chubb, but even they have two running backs. Uh, It's Tennessee that's really the only team that I can think of that's really old school like that. I think they're victims of analytics, too. I think, again, and then you look at – and I, I think back to some guys who got big contracts and just fell all the way off. And, like, the thing about running backs, when they fall off, it's, like, immediate and forever. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. You know, I, the person that that I really saw that, like, firsthand when I was like, wow, was Le'Veon Bell. You know, when he left Pittsburgh and he – you know, she sat out a year. Did he sit out a year? Yeah, Maybe yeah, it was a whole year. You know, it was a whole year. Yeah, but when he came back, he was just an absolute shell of himself. You know what I mean? He had lost all of the quickness and all of the things that go with it. And, you know, like you said, the proof is in the pudding. Only guys that's built for it, like Marshawn Lynch, like King Henry, Chubb, and then Chubb had Hunt with him. Right. Uh, but still, he was the bell cow there. But, you know, it, it's just not feasible to keep though, running these guys like that. Plus, it's a passing league, man. I mean, I know running and defense win championships in December and January, but you got to get there. And you get there by throwing the ball. Yeah, and that's what Tennessee has really kind of uh, – 
done over the past few years, hung around in a, a weaker division. And once they get to December, they're formidable. And they've had some upset wins uh, over the past uh, few years, over the past four or five years, where they've had some success in the playoffs. Now you see that uh, Baltimore, they're going to get away from the run as much and try to open up things for Lamar Jackson. I just think that the philosophy now is you got to have at least two. Because you look at Kansas City, they had Pacheco, yes. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was out. And, and you know, but you had uh, uh, McKinnon was the other one. So you had like three guys that made contributions during the course of the season. Yes. You look at the same thing with San Francisco with three or four backs. Uh, Miami, well, you have three, two or three backs that you kind of work into the rotation as well. So I think you got to have two. I look at the Chubb and Kareem Hunt kind of tandem. And then in New Orleans. You got to have a guy that can run the ball a lot. And then you have, uh, of course, uh, Alvin Kamara uh, in the backfield that does all the things that he does. So I just think it's uh, it's tough. And I know they're talking about forming a sub uh, union, like in addition to the players union, the running backs union. But right now, I don't know that there's much that can be done about it. Yeah, yeah, especially when, as you said, you might not have you know, to talk about the Miami Dolphins. You know, there's been talk about, you know, Dalvin Cook, right? And for me, Dalvin Cook is a definite upgrade. He's a seasoned veteran. He works well in the zone. You know, he has three down capabilities. But my position is if we don't get him, we'll be all right because Raheem Mostert had 890 last year. Jeff Wilson had 400 last year. So with those two bags, it's, it's Dalvin Cook. So, and then the wear and tear every down. You know, yeah, and he mean? couldn't stay healthy, and they depend on matching uh, quite a bit in Minnesota. So you know, they had their um their their duo as well when he couldn't go, and so yeah, yeah it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. It's just I think the first real victim of analytics are NFL running backs. I mean, because I, I think it's all about projecting what we think we can get. Because like uh, Nick Chubb said, look, even after we have success. They said, well, man, he ran the ball too much. He's going to definitely fall off. And so you don't even get rewarded for your success because you've toted the rock a lot and you've gotten more wear and tear on your body. Go ahead. So I think that that's when the running back agents got to get more astute, right? Yeah. So for, I'll give you an example. Connor Williams, the center at the Dolphins this year who you know came from the Cowboys, well, he signed a two-year deal with Miami and we moved him to center, and now he's the top five center and underpaid. Well, he's sitting out, and I think because now his value is, you know, off the charts now as a top five center. The running backs who, you know, get up in that trajectory, you know, they're going to have to put some pressure on them when they in the 1,213-yard, you know, range because – the minute you get to year four, you're, you're devalued. So you got to get your money in year two and year three. And maybe coming out of college, they sign two-year deals instead of these three- and four-year deals. Yeah, and I think also, and I wonder, as we're talking about this, I just wonder, from an analytic standpoint, they look at carries, right? I wonder, do they look at actual amount, the amount of contact? So say if you have Chubb and he has 20 carries. Maybe he has a one-yard touchdown and maybe three or four carries where he runs out of bounds or there's little to no contact. 
for whatever reason. I wonder, could they? Could that be a point of contention for the agent? They say, well, he averaged 18 carries a game, but he only had real significant contact on like 15. So that that takes away from the the perceived punishment he endured. I don't, I don't know. I'm just. Well, you know. I think that number one, you know, on play action pass, you taking punishment. Yeah. On blitz pickup, you taking punishment. You may, you know, get hit and just fall, and it looks like a no hit. You know, nothing, but you wake up the next morning and your damn side is killing you because when you <laughs> fail, you twist it. You know what I'm saying? And you're right. trying to figure out what happened. So, you know, that's a hard one to kind of go through that because a running back, you know, a receiver, you might, you know, they might run the ball to the other side of the field and you take two steps on the play. You know, you take two steps and your man look at the DB, look at you, you look at him <laughs> and they make the tackle on the other side of the field and you walk back and you done ran 10 football plays where you ain't touch anybody. You right, know what I mean? Right. And the running back for the position 90% of the plays, you're going to cluck with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, final question before we let you get out of here. This is sort of close to both our hearts. Uh, when you look at the situation with Tennessee wearing the Houston Oiler throwback jerseys and helmets, what do you think about that? I mean, to me, I'll just say this. I'm, I'm kind of heartbroken. I understand it, but I'm kind of heartbroken to see that. You know, the, the thing that it's a travesty, number one. Earl Campbell does not have his jersey hung anywhere in the city of Houston. He doesn't have his bust or a statue, and he's one of the NFL greats. The Houston Oilers does not have any history in Tennessee or Houston. And then to have Tennessee come and wear those jerseys in Houston is just craziness and petty. I will say this, though. There is a contingency of Oilers fans. When Bud Adams left, they stuck with the Oilers, and now they're Titan fans. Right, right. So for a small percentage of people, they're going to be glad to see it. Yeah, and I never really got that either. I mean, honestly, when they left, I hated I mean, I hated to see them leave. I did not want to see that happen. I thought it was ridiculous that Bob Lanier, the mayor, and Bud Adams couldn't work out a deal. I thought Bud Adams' timing was off. You come after Buffalo, after Kansas City, and then demand a new stadium when they're paying for renovations from when you threaten to go to Jacksonville. So I think it just the way it happened was bad, but I still could not bring myself to root for the Titans. So, you know, that, that never was a thing for me. So... Uh, it'll well, be interesting. I, I think that history has proven right or wrong that the city of Houston should have did whatever it took to keep their football team because the Oilers meant so much to this community, this city, uh, the nostalgia behind it. And a city is 10 times better with this, with a football team in it than without, no matter how much it costs to keep them. Yeah, and I I, th I agree that you, you didn't want to see him leave. I did. I will say, like a sort of a phoenix rising, or if you want to look at the the silver lining. After that, the Harris County Sports Authority was formed, and now you got all these new venues. And I don't know that that happens if 
all of those resources went towards building Bud what he wanted. Because remember, I know you, you. I don't know how much you remember. Do you remember they were talking about the Rockets and the the Oilers sharing a downtown stadium, and that the the roof could be uh, brought down to fit a basketball arena and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know if you remember those proposals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember all of it. I but remember it, all of it. And they were talking about. Uh, building it up near the woodlands at one point and you know all of that yeah and the way it turned out though i think we in the city of houston have three venues that we can kind of really be proud of i think minute made is a, a really good baseball field baseball stadium i think uh i mean nrg although it's not anything original about it i think it's just a, a whole home sort of new generation stadium it's still a retractable roof it's it's a nice stadium. I mean, I, I would have preferred renovating the dome, but again, that's just nostalgia speaking. And then, right. of course, the Toyota Center. The Toyota Center. That's a nice venue as well. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's hard. Look, especially you know, growing up a native Houstonian, it's just it's it's one of those things. I mean, can you imagine if this happened to your team, the Dolphins, and if they they moved? <laughs> I mean, how heartbreaking. Like, I don't care yes. how old you get. And how much you get over it. There's still some residual kind of, you know, you're going to always have that little sting in your heart for your, your original team, you know? And really the the pettiness of it. You know, the fact that the city of Houston tried to buy the naming rights of the Oilers so that you keep that in the city. And Bud Adams, nope, I'm taking everything with me. This is my team. There's no Houston Oilers. You know, people don't even get to celebrate his team, because the Oilers, with all the great things that Bud Adams did to bring that team to Houston and build it and all of those things, and all of that history is lost. And, you know, there'll be a, soon a generation, well, there's generations now that don't even have a clue of who the Houston Oilers are. Yeah, and, and the, the other part of that, that, that that's really, really difficult uh, when you, you start to talk about understanding for the first time that this is not Houston's team. This is Bud Adams' team. Right, right, right. I mean, this this is how crazy it is. You know, at my job, you know, I tell kids, or kids find out I played with the Oilers, and they like, oh, who is that? Is that a minor league? What is that? A minor league team or something? Yeah. <laughs> what you that, talking about? Yeah, that's tough, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but just like I said, we, we got introduced real quick to, to the business side of football. And you forget for, you know, for the longest you think you're just a fan and you love the game. And this is your team. You bleed for your team. And then you realize this is a Bud Adams team. He can do what he wants to do with him. Yeah, and, and that's that's a great – because we say my Oilers, you know, my right. Dolphins. Like, it's ours. Like, we have ownership, right? And then you see it's the business and. My daughter, uh, you know, she watches games with me and, you know, she sees me on Twitter or whatever. And I explained to her uh, that the word fanatic lends itself to the word fan. And that's what we are yeah. as a fan, man. Yeah. You just love your team and it's fanaticism, man. And you go all out and you don't recognize this business and you have ownership and it's blood, sweat and tears. You spend your money, et cetera. I think the worst city <laughs> that's experienced the most loss and, and still is about to experience more is Oakland. I mean, Oakland lost Man. the Raiders twice. <laughs> Man. And, and, and you talk about a fan base that loved that team, but they were not going to pay for, the, you know, the, the taxpayers were not going to pay Man. for the stadium. But you talk about the black hole. 
that to me, Seattle, the Supersonics leaving Seattle, it was tough. Yes. Um, yes. Houston leaving, uh, uh, well, the Oilers leaving Houston, but the Raiders, man, the Raiders, that's tough. And, and you know, I mean, so many well, teams have changed hands, you know. Well, the other one was when Cleveland left. Was it Indianapolis? Yeah, they, yeah, they left. Yeah, they, yeah, Indianapolis left and went. Uh, well, they were Baltimore. The Baltimore Colts with mm. Burt Jones and mm. those guys. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, was yeah. the one that. Baltimore. That was the first major one that I remember. Yes. In the in yes. the middle of the night, you leave. Yeah, that yes, was dirty. The, the trucks moving. Yeah, we go. Yeah. <laughs> we go. Well, like I said, man, it was great catching up to you. This is just the the tip of the iceberg. Obviously, we're going to get right back into it. We'll be talking swag football. We'll be talking – we hadn't had a chance to really talk Texans. We'll talk some Texans in the near future and get geared up for the NFL season. So, a lot going on, and we're excited about that. Quick question for you. Do you see the Yankees making the playoffs? No. I think that division. At, oh, I, I, I feel like look, look at what, it, what I mean. First of all, all the teams in that division have winning records, but you gotta kind of pull for Baltimore, man. I mean, if, if I don't have a dog in the fight, I'm pulling for Baltimore because I've been to Camden Yards. It's a man. It's a beautiful place, and I'm old enough to remember how much that city. Love the Orioles back in the day. Earl Weaver and Eddie Murray Cal, and Cal, Cal Ripken. Ripken. Yes. And Dempsey. And I, I mean, I knew the whole team back in the day. Yes, and, uh, Jim Palmer. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so I think I, I would have to – I'm rooting for it. Now, some of these new teams that hadn't been there in a while could collapse. And then we'll have to see what happens. If the Yankees get Shohei, it depends on what they have to give up for them. But, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a crazy situation. It's gonna be fun. So we'll we'll talk definitely talk some baseball down the stretch as well. Hey, bro, thank you for inviting me back, and thank you for getting back on the saddle. It's time to go. It's time to roll. To have your comments heard, call eight three two nine four one. Six six one four. Want to thank Reg as always. Always enjoy his conversation, and of course, we'll delve more into football as we talk to him and other special teams unit members moving forward. But with that, it's time for the Lamont World. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you. You big. Lamont Ward goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, a guy we talk about, have talked about for many, many years. Some consider him the GOAT, and maybe he is. I debate, and I don't think that he is. We can talk about his accomplishments on the field, but off the field, the big dummy this time is Tom Brady. Yes, newly retired Tom Brady, who's dating yet another supermodel following his divorce. Uh, allegedly, apparently, reportedly, whatever. But here is what is also being reported, or uh, was reported. I don't know if you heard this. But essentially, Tom Brady lost $30 million in the collapse of crypto giant FTX. Now, this is from an ESPN article, which quotes a New York Times article. It says, Tom Brady lost millions in the collapse of cryptocurrency company FTX, for which he served as an ambassador, the New York Times reported on Friday, whatever Friday that was, a few weeks ago. Under an agreement the retired NFL quarterback made with FTX in 2021, he received $30 million in now worthless stock, for his work is pitching the company in television ads and at its conference. 
In step with him at the time was his then wife, Giselle Bunchen, who received $18 million in stock. So now the situation is the $30 million in stock that he got is worthless. So in a way, that makes him not a big dummy. Because, I mean, obviously he's mega, mega rich. You know, you don't miss what you never had. Although if he would have got that $30 million in cash, but he didn't. So he said, okay, I'll take the cryptocurrency. By chance, $30 million may flip and, and turn into $120 million in value. It, it, maybe that was his thinking. Obviously, that was his thinking that this little $30 million, I'm going to flip that maybe two or three times over. Didn't work out. So that makes him a moderate dummy because that means you just work for free. You did ads and conferences for free. Here's where you opened yourself up to being a big dummy. So FTC filed for bankruptcy last November. Its former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, is facing federal fraud-related charges. Now, here's the deal. Brady also faces legal peril on top of financial losses. Both Brady and Bunchen, who were divorced in October, are being sued by FTX investors who want repayment from the celebrity endorsers. Also in that mix, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Larry David, Naomi Osaka, Steph Curry. So a bunch of these guys are facing, guys and ladies are facing being sued by FTX investors who lost all of their money. And the quote is, quote, none of these defendants performed any due diligence prior to marketing these FTX products to the public, according to the lawsuit obtained by the New York Times. It was filed in federal court in Florida. So we, we narrowed this down specifically to Tom Brady because the headline was Tom Brady loses $30 million. In theory, he never got $30 million. He didn't lose it. But if he loses this lawsuit, it has to settle. So not only did he work for free, he'll have to pay several million dollars out out of his own pocket for giving financial advice. Now, I will say this. If you are taking financial advice from Shaquille O'Neal, which, again, not that he's not sharp, he is a brilliant businessman. But if you are taking financial advice from celebrities, from athletes, from ball players, not that they're always bad sources, but you are the big dummy. You better talk to some financial folks that do this for a living. What you have when you talk about a lot of these athletes are millionaires who have been in position to make financial decisions with a lot of folks, professional people, to help guide them in making those decisions. That's what you're dealing with. So Tom Brady has financial, real financial advisors. He's not the financial advisor. If you follow those guys, you're the big dummy. But for this episode, let's give Tom Brady, until this court case is settled, for now, Tom Brady, you are a semi-big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> what can you say about that? Taking financial advice from Tom Brady is like taking romantic advice from Steve Harvey. Now, again, not to say that they don't have, you know, sort of insight and credibility, but no, not with my money. I'm not trusting Tom. Look, I need my little coins. I, I can't trust you like that. He lost $30 million. It won't change his lifestyle. Not one bit. Even if he has to pay out the $18 million, won't affect his life. So there's that. Just about done, but... Before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey man, I really want to thank you guys for reaching out. A lot of people are like, hey man, where you been? Where is the podcast? What are you doing? 
and you missed it and I've heard from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for spreading the word. We're getting bigger. We have been getting bigger. I hope this doesn't stall. This hiatus doesn't stall that process, but we were getting bigger and bigger because of word of mouth and you guys sharing the conversations. Thank you so much for the support. Want to remind you the website is up, not finished. Wadesworthproductions.com. Sports line still up 24 hours a day. 832-941-6614. Check us out on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and on Instagram and threads and Twitter at the Devin Wade. T-H-E-D-E-V-A-N-W-A-D-E. And if you can't remember any of that. Please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.